Hi, my name is Steve Thomas, lead pastor of the First Baptist Church of Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We hope that you're encouraged as together we open God's Word and consider how it applies to our lives. Well, we're in the season of the World Series. And if you're a baseball fan, you know that Houston tied it up last night and it's uh, two games to two. And uh, it's one of the most exciting things of baseball that happens every year. And when you think of baseball, sometimes you think of those players and you think these guys are amazing athletes. They're almost godlike. We in our country tend to almost worship athletes. But not many people worship athletes that they grew up with, even if they're great. Have you ever noticed that? I had a conversation with a friend of mine once who played with the great Robbie Thompson. Robbie Thompson played for the San Francisco Giants in the 80s and 90s. He was an all-star twice. He played in the National League Championship Series, and he was raised in West Palm Beach, Florida. He played at Forest Hill High School. He played with a friend of mine named Paul. And one time I asked Paul, I said, well, tell me about what it was like to play with Robbie Thompson. Was that just not amazing? Was he an incredible player? And you know what he said? Not really. So no, he, he was really no better than the rest of us. Except he just kept playing. A lot of us at high school kind of got tired of it. He just kept going and he kept playing and he did become great, but he really was not, not all that special. Isn't it true that familiarity often breeds contempt? Aesop originally kind of coined that, or it was originally a concept that came from Aesop of Aesop's fables. Actually, this is 600 years B.C. And he wrote this story called The Fox and the Lion. And the fox one day saw the lion and stayed as far away from him as he could. And nothing happened. And then he kind of passed by a little closer the next day, and nothing happened. And then he came in and he just hung out with the, with the lion for a while and still nothing happened. And the moral of the story is that as he got closer to him, he lost his fear of the lion. And the fox really lived in contempt of the lion and didn't really care, didn't have any fear of the lion. Chaucer coined the phrase probably that um, uh, um, familiarity is... Um, Familiarity, I can't talk. Familiarity breeds contempt. Um, he's the one that kind of coined that. If you think about it, it's really true. The, the more familiar you are with something, the less you respect it. We've traveled abroad many times. We've been in some really dangerous places. And if you ask me, I would say, I didn't, nothing happened. So it wasn't really scary. Weren't you afraid to go to that place and this place and that place? Uh, weren't you afraid to go to Africa? Weren't you afraid to go to the Middle East? Weren't you afraid to go to some Caribbean islands? Not, not really. Nothing happened. But you don't really know how close you were to something happening, do you? Familiarity does tend to breed contempt. And it happens to us spiritually as well. Today we're going to look at a passage where those most familiar with Jesus did not respect him. As a matter of fact, those familiar with Jesus are most susceptible to contempt or a lack of respect for him. We're in a series called Maximum Power Mixed Results. That Jesus shows up and he does these amazing things. He's, 
He's calmed the sea. He's He's healed, the, uh, he's, he's healed a, a little girl. He's raised her from the dead. He's, he's healed a widow who just had enough faith to reach out and touch his garment. He has rescued a man from hundreds of demons. He's done incredible things. He's calmed the storm. But still, when he goes home, there's no respect for him. It's really interesting. And we see the results of this familiarity as unbelief. So today, as we open God's word, as we consider what unbelief looks like, as we look at the mindset and the thinking of those who struggle with unbelief, let's pay close attention and see if any of it resonates in your own life. See if you can notice anything in your own life that has disconnected you from Jesus himself. Look with me at Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Mark chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. He had just left Capernaum. This is his hometown, is where he had did most of his ministry. It's kind of his adopted hometown. It's on the northeast edge, uh, northwest edge of the Sea of Galilee. And as he is there, he has done some amazing things. That's where he did the healings. That's where he did a lot of his ministry. And he leaves there, and he intentionally goes to Nazareth, his place of birth, not the place where he was raised, really, from a young child into a young adult. It's where his father has his carpentry business. And this is where Jesus is very well known. They, they watched him grow up. And he brings his disciples with him. And the picture is really this, that Jesus is saying, I want you guys to witness what's about to happen. I want you to know that there are those who will know me very, very well who will reject me. I want to ask you today, how well do you know Jesus? How familiar are you with him? Maybe you were raised in a church setting. Maybe you heard a lot about Jesus. Maybe you know a lot about Jesus. Do you have a familiarity with him that may be breeding some unbelief in you? So he takes his disciples, he goes up to Nazareth, and he walks into his hometown where he is best known. Verse 2, and on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And let me pause right there. It's as though, see, they act like they don't know him, but they act like they, they see him as just someone who grew up there, but they already respect him as a great teacher. For someone to come and teach in the synagogue, they would have had to have been someone that was worthy of having that position. For us, it would be like saying, hey, come and preach in our pulpit, which we're very sensitive about that. It's a great privilege to stand here. It's a great privilege to be able to, to proclaim God's word. It's an amazing opportunity, but it's also a huge responsibility. And we don't just ask anyone to come here and preach and say, hey, why don't you preach? You're just a guy off the street. No, we don't do that. We want to make sure whoever preaches is faithful to proclaim God's word. And I do have some news about that. Next Sunday, next Sunday, don't miss next Sunday, because there's a guy who's going to be in this pulpit who is amazing, and his name is Gary Templeton. So you guys be praying for Gary. Gary, I visited with him uh, Friday, and I do, there's one major change in Gary. He shaved his beard. I hear a lot of awes. I'm gonna, he'd be glad to hear that because he's really liking the beard. But he looks really good. Uh, many of you know Gary had a heart attack a couple weeks ago. He tells me he's going to be here Sunday. So 
Uh, Julie and I will be in the mountains uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with our children um, and their spouses. But next Sunday, Gary will be here. So pray for Gary. And uh, uh, he's such a treasure. We love Gary and it'll be great. So Jesus is, is, is well known enough and they think enough of him to allow him to come and speak in synagogue, to come and teach, which is really interesting because it almost feels like a setup here. Yeah, come teach and then we're going to hate you, you know. Tell us what you really think and then we're not going to not going to believe it. He comes to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. And that's a key word in scripture. They were astonished. It's like, we cannot believe this. Astonished, this, this word in Greek means that they are almost about to lose their composure. You know, it's like when your daughter comes home and she didn't get an A and you just cannot believe it. How could this be? It never happened, did it, Sarah? Um, it's, how could this be? I can't believe that you did this. It's a parent that's shocked by what their kid did, right? They're losing their composure. You just want to say, hey, would you all chill out a little bit? What is he saying? And they, get, they have five questions that he gives. Five questions that Mark has them saying about Jesus. And these five questions are really important because they reveal four areas of unbelief that we need to check ourselves with. Four areas of unbelief in these five questions. They're astonished. They're familiar with Jesus. And they question him in this way. Look at the five questions. The first one is this. Where did this man get these things? It's kind of like saying, you have no right to say that. You have no credibility. Where's your degree? Where's your diploma? Who was your rabbi? Where's your evidence that we should listen to you? It's a question of credibility and of origin. Jesus, we, we, you're not a messenger of God. We don't believe you. When you think about Jesus... When you think about Jesus, does he have the credibility to speak into your life? Can Jesus Christ say whatever he wants to say in your life? Is he God? Is he God? Is he divine? Or is he just another person you've heard a lot about? See, familiarity with Jesus sometimes puts him in the same place as a lot of historical figures. Is Jesus different? Is he supernatural? Where did he get this? Did he get it from God? Where did he get this? Is the question they ask in an astonished, irritated, and negative way. Where did he get this is the first question. Who is Jesus to you? Is he God? The second question takes it a little further. And they say, what is this wisdom giving to him? What, what is this stuff he's saying? We don't know about the origin of this. We're, we don't like that. We're not sure he has the credibility to say this. But what, what's this message? What's he saying? We've not heard this before. And they question his message. You may be asking, well, what was his message? Well, the message of Jesus, as Mark tells us in Mark 1.15, is this. The time is fulfilled, which means that all the prophecy that looked forward to a Messiah, all the prophecy that looked forward to a new kingdom 
was coming to happen. All this, this talk about another kingdom, that was, it's all coming to be right now. The time is complete. The time is complete. That's the message of Jesus. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Which means that Jesus is ushering in his kingdom. It's beginning. And in practical terms, here's the message. The kingdom is at hand and Jesus is saying, I'm about to win. I'm about to win. Let me ask you, do you think Jesus is going to win? It's a really important question. Do you think that Jesus is ultimately going to win? Because in our culture today, a lot of times we feel like, you know what, Jesus is getting beat. You know, paganism and sin is just rising up. And Jesus is, I just don't see how he can possibly pull out a victory here. It's like the Miami Heat were down 21 in the third quarter yesterday. Sorry for all the sports references. And they came back and beat the best team in the Eastern Conference yesterday. The, you need to, if you haven't seen the game, it's pretty amazing. Um, we feel like Jesus is losing. Oh, he's not losing. He's not losing. The church is doing amazing things throughout the world, especially where it's most oppressed, places like Iran, uh, places like a lot of places in China. He is not losing. But you have to, if you believe in Jesus, you have to believe that he is ultimately going to win. The kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of God is at hand and he says this, repent and believe. Repent and believe the good news of God. So not only is he going to win, but in order to join him, our way we do that is we repent. And you see that a lot of people that are familiar with Jesus, repentance hasn't become part of their life anymore. They've kind of walked away from that kind of gotten to kind of a steady state that says, hey, I, I, I've got as good as I'm going to get. That's my sin areas, that's just who I am. I can't really change. When I say repent, what I mean is I am agreeing with God about who I am. I'm agreeing with God biblically. So when you look at the Bible and you say, well, I don't think the Bible is right about that anymore. I don't think the, the biblical view of morality and uh, sex between just one man and one woman for life in marriage, is that's where it belongs. I don't think that's really true anymore. You're at the place of unbelief. You're at the place of unbelief. And remember this, unbelief is an incredibly powerful thing. It's what separates us from God. It's a very powerful thing. When we say that, you know, I don't believe that God's standard for truth really matters because I think truth is kind of situational. I don't really believe that God can set those kind of standards. You're, you're saying, I don't really believe Jesus. I don't really believe your message. It's only when we come to the place to say, Jesus, I, this is your word. To the best of my ability, I want to conform my life to it. And I want to repent of anything that dishonors you, Lord. Anything that breaks your word. That's when belief has happened. That's when belief has happened. So, he, so the message is that his kingdom has come. Jesus is going to win. Repent and believe. And it's like this. If I believe in Jesus, I believe in belief, if you will. Or I believe in trust in Jesus as the way to be on his team. I believe in the idea that I need to believe that Jesus is absolutely who he said he was. That's the message. And the people of Nazareth said, 
what is this message? We don't believe it. And unbelief has taken over, and they're about to lose Jesus. So the first question is, where did this come from? What is this message? And then the next one is even more mind-boggling because they say this. They say, how are such mighty works done by his hands? How does this carpenter whose hands were really made to build stuff, he's a craftsman, how does his hands actually do miraculous things? And it's, they've heard about it. There's credible evidence. There's all kinds of witnesses who have seen Jesus heal and do amazing things and cast out demons and raise people from the dead. But you know what they say? We don't believe it really happened. We believe it's kind of a conspiracy theory. Even though there's thousands of people who've seen it, we don't believe in the power of Jesus. Let me ask you, do you believe in the power of Jesus? Do you believe he is supernaturally able to do amazing things in your life? Do you believe he was raised from the dead? Do you believe he ascended on high? Do you believe he sent his spirit to live inside of us? Do you believe that? Do you believe in the power of Jesus? See, some people who, are just, who have been familiar with Jesus their whole lives, they've never seen him really do anything. They've really never witnessed much of his power. And they kind of wonder if his power was just reserved for some other time and that he really can't change lives today. If that's where you are, familiarity has led you to the place of unbelief. And watch what happens as a result. Oh, then they ask, then they ask the last question is this. Last two questions are these. They say, is this not the carpenter? the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are his sisters here, are, his, are not his sisters here with us? Here's what he's saying. His family's right here. Isn't this just the guy that we had install some kitchen cabinets? You know? Isn't this just the guy we've known? We've known his family. Here's his brothers. They're not special. They're not super cool prophets. They don't have a website and they don't, they, we don't really know what's the big deal here. We know them. Sometimes I feel like Jesus can be just a pal. Oh, he's my friend and he is a friend, right? But we forget about his greatness and we treat him as a common thing. Jesus I've known you my whole life. I've never seen you do anything amazing. It's no big deal. We lose the awe of who Jesus is. Jesus, you're just like everybody else. That's where you are. You're at the place of unbelief. And watch what Jesus does in verse 5. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. In other words, he's saying, basically, just like Aesop and Chaucer, familiarity breeds, uh, breeds contempt. Because a prophet is popular everywhere, except when he comes home, and then his relatives even don't believe him. Notice he puts relatives in there. Because really, at this point in time, we really don't see Jesus' relatives following him. Matter of fact, they had just, not long ago, brought an intervention against him, saying, Jesus, you've lost your mind. We need to, we need to give you, we need to Baker Act you, Jesus, because you're causing a lot of problems. You're crazy. Even his family was trapped in unbelief. 
in verse 5. It says, And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. I wonder what he wanted to do. Don't you? Don't you wonder what Jesus wanted to do in his hometown? You always see players go back to their hometown and they have incredible games because they're playing in front of their family and they're so excited and they're going to show all that they can do. Jesus comes to his hometown. Don't you wonder what he wanted to do? What miracle might he have done if there was belief? What, what, what might he have done? Just calm another storm? Heal people? Feed people? Who knows? But they, did, they missed it. See, the reason they missed it is because of unbelief. And know this, Jesus did not do miracles to impress. Jesus did miracles in order to respond to belief and in order to propagate belief. See, Jesus doesn't just show off and say, I'm the greatest, let me just do this. I'm going I'm to jump down from the temple devil. I'm going to do all this stuff to impress me. No, Jesus does miracles in response to belief and to help people believe even more. That's what he's here. That's why, he, that's why he came. That's why he came. It's a powerful picture of how Jesus functions. And then, sadly, verse 6, and he marveled because of their unbelief. He couldn't believe. He's like, I, how could you not believe? I've done all these things. I, I, I've been here I, all through the area, but I can't do anything with you. Because you don't believe. See, unbelief separates us from what Jesus wants to do. It's as powerful, more powerful than the lock on your front door. Think about it, it's a very small thing, right? Compared to the whole of your house, even if you have a really small house, that lock is very small, but it keeps people out. Unbelief keeps Jesus out. And it keeps him from doing what he wants to do. You may say, well, Steve, what does he want to do? I don't really know. I mean, I've not really seen Jesus. Let me, let me give you some very quick things that Jesus wants to do in your life that you may be missing out right now. Maybe missing out on. Jesus, he wants to take care of your guilt. Are you suffering with that? He wants to take care of your guilt. But until you believe to the point to repent of that and say, Jesus, would you take that away? You're going to carry that. Jesus wants to do, he wants to deal with your sadness. He wants to deal with the fact that you just can't get happy. Maybe you're a person of bad moods and he wants to deal with that and say, listen, you should be so happy because I'm going to win. I'm going to win. It's going to happen. Don't, don't be sad. There's ultimately a place in heaven for you. Let's get happy. Jesus' kingdom is real. He wants to deal with your anxiety. He wants you to trust him that he is the powerful God. He wants to deal with your lack of love in your heart. Once you start seeing Jesus for who he is, you can get pretty loving of him. These are all things that he wants to do in our lives that would be miraculous, quite honestly. But it's going to take us believing. It's going to take us saying, I believe Jesus in you. I believe in your origin. I believe in your credibility. God, Jesus, I believe in your message. I, I believe in your power, and I'm going to believe even when others don't. 
this morning? Are you suffering from unbelief? Are you constantly worried? Are you a struggle with peace? Are you constantly afraid? Do you think, wonder if Jesus is actually going to come through? Would you like to see him do something amazing in your life? If you would, I want you to take a little journey with me in prayer. Would you bow your heads? And what I want to do right now is I want you to pray through these questions. You don't need to stand up. You don't need to even come down here. You just bow your head. And I want to ask you a very simple question. Do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe that he is not just a common person? Do you believe that he is really deity? If so, I want you to speak these words with me. I believe Jesus is God. Would you say that out loud with me right now? I believe Jesus is God. Secondly, before the Lord, would you say this? Do you believe in his message? Do you believe in his message? Do you believe that Jesus will ultimately win? Thanks for joining us today. If this message spoke to you, consider sharing it with a friend or on social media. Just tag us at First Baptist Del Rey. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to fbcdelray.com. Hope to see you again next time. God bless.